Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkville and Craig Cerventi. Alright. Alright. I think we're hot. And that was, so we, I guess we'll just start with that. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hey. Hey, uh, everybody. I'm Mike. And this is... And I'm Craig. Uh, and we are um, recording from the other sides of the world. Literally, Today, first almost time. oppositely. Yeah, oppositely. The yeah, other side we should of the put world, we yeah. should put bread on the ground and make a world sandwich or something. <laughs> um, Waste a good slice of bread like that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so this is a podcast called Verging on Greatness, <clears throat> where Craig and I talk about movies that are not quite great. Not as good as they be should be. They, they, they're just they're nearly there. They've got a lot of the right elements, but there is something that is missing. We try and understand what it is and what would have made this movie really, really great. Um, and so this week we are talking about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And I think it's fair to mm. say this would be when you describe the idea of this podcast, this is one of the first things that comes up this is one of the first first movies that people think of um because i think this was a highly anticipated movie when it came out it had it was a lot of the elements that uh would make a really good movie um and then uh, i i feel like people walked out feeling a little bit let down but not quite sure why is that fair Mm. to say that is very fair to say. I, I definitely remember this movie coming out. I definitely was excited about it coming out. Um, I was, uh, as people have probably guessed by now, a full-on comic nerd uh, growing up. And uh, so anything to do with comics that made its way into the movies was uh, something I was very interested in. So this is in the real comics renaissance in the early 2000s. We had had Spider-Man. We had had uh, the original X-Men movie. Um, and I think the year, uh, this is 2003, the year this came out, we were getting stuff like Daredevil, um, we had X2, this came out the same year as X2, and Hulk, obviously, yeah. um, all in the same year. So yeah, I was, I, I was excited, and there was certainly a lot of hype about this movie, um, considering that it had, like, it had a, a pretty decent cast for the time. Um, you had Sean Connery um, in a film being directed by Stephen Norrington, who yeah. just five years earlier had... Uh, kicked off the whole and this is going to be controversial i I guess kicked off the whole mcu uh that we know and love today by directing blade with wesley snipes which is the first marvel film um in the in the new era of marvel filmmaking would you Uh, say yeah was this the first movie that had a, a a really kind of notable actor okay wesley snipes and blade but but like to have sean connery in a in a comic book movie was that was that unusual? No, because I think in X Men you had um, Ian McKellen. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's, Patrick no, that's Stewart. True. Although Patrick Stewart, his geek credentials, you know, are, are secured for life. Yes, you know, he's Picard, obviously. Yes, uh, Ian McKellen. I remember when Ian McKellen was cast as Magneto. There was plenty of hoopla about that because they didn't really want this old English Shakespearean actor playing Magneto. I thought he was a great choice for Magneto. He was amazing. Um, still one of the better things about those films is Ian McKellen. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I think this is definitely, this is you at this point in the early 2000s, you're, you've, you've gone past the fanboydom 
and you've definitely hit mainstream with your comic films. People yeah. are taking them seriously. They're they're spending serious money on them. Uh, they're making serious money at the box office. Yeah. And yeah, you're getting old school serious actors to play um, main parts in them. I don't know if you remember the late 90s, early 2000s very well, but there was a real Sean Connery renaissance um, in the late late 90s, early 2000s. Um, yeah. The Rock, and he was this action, this this aging action star that could be paired up with um, future Mrs. Michael Douglas. Yeah, Catherine, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Zeta what was that movie? Yeah, Entrapment. Entrapment. Yeah, yeah, with the laser. The deep pool. Yeah, with the laser, the laser dance scene. sequence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Sean Connery um, doing doing weird things in the late 90s early 2000s but then you but then you said that was that was brought to brought to an abrupt end yeah this Uh, is the last film he is credited as being a live action actor in yeah he he retired after this saying that he was he had lost all love for filmmaking (laughs) (laughs) so i don't it, it was Okay, it's not a uh, spoiler alert. It's not a great film by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it, it's that's I, I agree. It's not that bad. It's no. Um, um, yeah, it's it's got its problems, which I'm looking forward to digging into with you. But it's it's it does what it says on the tin. Oh, yeah, I've watched worse movies that promised more. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I should think say. It, I, 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 I don't think we could we can stress enough how how weird Sean Connery the Sean Connery Renaissance in the the late nineties early two thousands was. Do you know he was offered the part of Morpheus in the Matrix film? Shit, really? And he and he turned it down. Oh, um, was that because because Will Smith was offered Neo? I think Will Smith. Yeah, I think Will Smith was offered Neo, and um, and so both of those actors turned it down. So we wound up with the casting that we got. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have Lawrence. I would. I would much rather Lawrence Fishburne than Sean Connery in that role. Um, very different movie with Sean Connery. And didn't he? Didn't he get offered Gandalf as well? He got, and turned he got that down? offered fucking Gandalf, and he didn't understand it, and he turned it down. And so the the trivia page on IMDb for this says that. Um, Sean Connery, um, after turning down those two roles that went on to become huge blockbusters, he said the next time he was sent a script that he didn't understand, he was going to take it. And this was the film, and this was the script he didn't understand. (laughs) And he took it. (laughs) It was like, oh no. (laughs) I should say before we dig dig too much more into this, A, spoiler alert, obviously. We're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. Um, And B, so this is the first time Craig and I, Craig's uh, recently moved to London. Um, If you've never listened to this before, if you don't know too much about us, we both live in, we lived in Auckland, New Zealand, and uh, Craig is now, Craig is now living on the other side of the world. So we're recording, Mm. um, recording uh, in tandem. Uh, It's early early in the morning for me and it's late at night for Craig. And um, so we're seeing how this works and we're going to, we're going to throw these together through these two recordings and hopefully it's going to work and sound like we're just in the same room, but uh, forgive us if it, if it goes a little awry, this is our first time trying this. Yeah. So where do you want to start, Mike? Um, Well, okay. Start with, I think this is, so it's, it's an ensemble movie, obviously they're they're a league. And um, so I think this, this occupies an interesting space where um, the idea of the ensemble comic book movie um, had been established through X-Men and yep. has kind of um, 
uh, is is most obvious now in the Avengers franchise and and I think this occupies uh, an interesting space there and something that I think this movie does really well is create that sense of it, it balances out the ensemble cast everybody gets everybody gets enough time that you that they have their they have their purpose um but you also you're never you're never not sure who the leader is who and and maybe that's the advantage of having having someone with the the with connery's kind of gravitas is is you you always know that he's there and he's the boss and you're never Mm. kind of waiting for someone else to be to, to never kind of wondering hey what's what's the invisible man up to now i wonder yeah you're, you're, you're always so that they, they achieve a really good balance but then at the same time you don't get sick of him um you you uh everyone everyone gets just enough to do and and they um they all they have they play their part um you could argue that um in fact the the invisible man uh, skinner is is not in it enough he's he's out of it for about 45 minutes in the middle how good is in that the middle there, how good really is that special effect of him that 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 invisible man special effect oh, it's how good excellent. is that effect excellent just him putting the makeup on with the coat like that's 2003 there was a rotoscope artist who sat there for days upon days upon days doing that effect yeah. that is an amazing effect what uh, there's some very i mean this is 2003 so some of the special effects um are a little bit dated in places um and it does you know you're looking at it going oh i can pull the strings apart on this one but that that invisible man effect was phenomenal that was so good (laughs) i can't get over how good that effect was yeah and sorry and i do think his his character occupies an important an important spot in the in the balance of the ensemble and so to have him Mm. missing for such a long time i guess it and and he's He's not quite comic relief, but he is certainly he's the grounding character where you've got you've got characters like Mina Harker and Dorian Gray um, and um, Jekyll and Jekyll and Hyde, who are mm. they are deep and intense and he and Skinner uh, does bring a little bit of um uh, he, he does uh, he does he does ground yeah. it ground it a little yeah. bit it's not always funny funny but but just in that he, he occupies that sort of that sort of spot in a and a hey let's not get too carried away with ourselves and he's out of it he's out of the movie for a good 40 45 minutes because he is doing his, <laughs> or is he he's cause invisible because he he's doing be his kind of he's doing that stealthy his stealthy kind of thing which is an important and he's, he's playing an important role in the plot but you do kind of you do kind of miss him a little bit and it does start to feel a little bit um intense and brooding yeah um yeah i'd agree with that but that's but (laughs) apart from that apart from that the balance is the balance is really good um with with the 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 smaller roles um or the the ensemble roles i guess and the the leader role you know, Sean Connery obviously embodies the the leader role that would later, you know, in the Avengers films would be would be played by Captain America. So it's I find it really interesting that this film very quickly goes running for the the superhero one hundred and one of building superhero teams 
um, canon. Like uh, yeah. one of the writers on this film is his name is James Robinson, and uh, he's actually a, a reasonably well-known comic book writer. So clearly, he's brought those comic book sensibilities. Like this is the leader. This is the smart one. This is the martial artist. This is the one that can fly and do weird shit. Uh, here's the here's the um, this is the, the incredible Hulk. Yeah, this is the tank. Um, and like he's clearly brought that in and they've, they've fine-tuned it around that where, where would you say um the 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 one glaring to me glaringly obvious addition and this feels like a real studio thing was uh shane west as tom sawyer um that that felt like a real shoehorn in kind of last minute no one in america is going to like this unless you've got an attractive young american and like, <laughs> you have that you have to have that character like he i think with his addition like um, and they, they make that pay off with kind of like a, a father-son thing with, yeah. with Sean Connery later. But um, that was, for me, that was clearly a studio note. And it was like, yeah, yeah, you've got to have, you've got to have, put Tom Sawyer or so someone is, like him in this. Is he not in the comic? No. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. That feels like it, it un, um, unbalances it a little bit, in my opinion. It's like, yeah, I don't really know why he's there. Um other than other than to be like i'm not even you know, sure he knows why he's there he just turns no, up he doesn't. at dorian gray's <clears throat> and and he's with the bad guys and then he just starts shooting the bad guys and, and, <laughs> and then he's there <laughs> after giving sean connery a huge a huge wink which, yeah let's be honest sean connery has probably had men and women winking at him his entire adult career it's just like he must be just over it by now yeah just another person winking at me oh good god please stop I think, yeah, that, so there's a, there's a couple of things there. So you're looking for, I mean, uh, ni- figures from 19th century literature. Um, mm. it's, it's the European tradition is, is much more rich than the American um, from that era. So they, they don't have a lot to choose from. And if they want to shoehorn in a character in from American literature, um, pre-First World War, uh, yeah, yeah, Tom, Tom you, Sawyer's, you, I mean... The only, the only other book I can think of from that period is Walden, and uh, you're not going to want someone. You're not going to cast <laughs> cast someone in an action movie who's just going to uh, go and live by a lake. Uh, <laughs> Are you sure? So they could bring an interesting dynamic to it. What's your superpower? So, fishing, so, <laughs> building cabins, so, <laughs> building cabins and fishing. So what you might you as got? well. Um, <laughs> you might as well have have. Uh, a, a kind of grown-up Tom Sawyer as this plucky kind of... He doesn't have any superpowers, but he's kind of industrious and... Um, he's got a lot of guns. He's got a lot, he's got a lot of guns. And, and I do like... They do, they do... They play on that a bit, right? With the, um, some of the banter between him and Connery, where he's got the, the American style of shooting, which is just spray... Spray everything down. Spray enough bullets, and you're going to hit something eventually. Where Quatermain's, <laughs> he tries to teach like, him that kind of uh, actually aim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't do it in one shot, don't bother doing it at all. Yeah. So, okay. Cool. And, and it, which is which is a nice little touch. Uh, there's, I think we we get two action scenes in. So just going back to the the, the basic plot of the film. Um, there's a bit of a, a setup, and then there's the go get Alan Quatermain from Kenya and bring him back to England to set up this team business where he's introduced to um, the character M, who's played by Richard Roxburgh. Um, Roxburgh, 
Rutger. Uh, I, I can't say his name. Richard. And um, he the is Roxy. in this... Roxy. Yeah, let's call him Roxy. Uh, and then there's very quickly another action sequence. But in that very first action sequence in, in Kenya, um, where he, I think he shoots an impossible number of bullets for his revolver, um, he uh, is... All of those shots, I counted, all of those shots are um, center mass. So he shoots six times, hits hits a target six times, and all of those times is a corresponding spark from the body armor of the of the bad guys who turn up in Kenya to, to kill Alan Quartermain. So mm. he's a hell of a shot. He yeah. um he he's pretty decent. Um, and then con- uh, contrasted later, it's a nice little touch with Tom Sawyer, who's just spraying the place down, um, just absolutely giving everything in the room lead poisoning and um obviously alan quartermain's telling him off for being a terrible shot um yeah i'm pretty sure uh tom sawyer would later go on to train stormtroopers on <laughs> <laughs> and it is it, it it does that does lend it's <clears> one <throat> of the themes that they carry through as, as quartermain's kind of has has is discussed for for mother england but then you know seeing sawyer and and influencing Sawyer with some of that some of the, some of his English um, sensibilities. sensibilities that's something yeah. that brings him back and that ties in with his his redemption arc um, because you you discover that he has lost a son Quartermain um, mm. and he's he's accused of uh, that he lost his son because he didn't train his son very well and this becomes his. Um, you know his his private arc is is about how, about taking Sawyer under his wing and training him, and um, you know redeeming that redeeming that loss. But that's tied in with that passing on of a lot of that that English sensibility to um, uh, and regaining his his hope and his love of England, um, which is is his um, is, is his his arc, I guess. Mm. And so I think having Sawyer there as an American that that adds another layer to that um, mentoring role that he plays. I do one of the th- one of the things I think that that prevents this movie from being great is that uh, in that first scene that you mentioned where he's in Kenya um, and he's um, so that's that's the kind of coming out of retirement for one last. Um, one last hurrah yeah. kind of um, trope, but but he 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 doesn't have he, that reason that arc does not kick off there. You don't get that sense that he is coming out of his arc to try and redeem that, or that it's it's tied to his tied to that loss. Um, he just so the 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 guy comes and he says i'm a representative of the queen and quartermain says no i'm not interested and then they and then they blow up his house and 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 then (laughs) well fuck it you got me i'm in but (laughs) you don't get a sense that he is doing it out of out of a hope that he will have a have a chance no matter how slim out of a hope that he will have a chance to redeem himself they 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 literally destroy his house and give him no choice but to go they destroy where well where where else is he gonna drink mike well that's right somewhere that's right but they like (laughs) where else is he gonna impale people on a rhino horn and have an english flag (laughs) 
So you he don't. He can't do that in the. You can't do that in the plains of Africa. It's, That's not how that works. So it's not until about it's not until about forty five. I think it's, oh, it's. I wrote it down actually. It's forty six minutes in where they have that father son scene where they're on the they're on the on the on the what do you what do you call it? It's not a roof. The Nautilus. They're on the on the on the Coning Tower. The, all right, I'll go with that. Um, uh, and and he's he's shooting these he's shooting these targets and and he he kind of has this this quite it's a nice nice enough scene where he's teaching him how to shoot and you think oh this is what it's going to be about he's going to be a redeeming right. but it's it's too late it's forty five minutes into a, a movie that's a hundred minutes long um, before you you find out that that's going to be that's Quatermain's arc that's your leader's was this movie a hundred minutes long uh. uh he yeah he dies oh, he dies yeah, at a hundred one hour fifty he dies yeah, at a okay. hundred and then there's a little bit of a oh yeah oh no I already did the spoiler alert that's okay um, <laughs> and then there's yeah there's a little bit of a an epilogue so yeah it's it's a little over a hundred minutes long wow a little over a hundred minutes long if like nowadays getting a superhero film in under two hours is impossible yeah yeah name one yeah. They don't. They're all over two hours long. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Especially with this, with that much content in it, with that many characters, it's quite tight. Yeah. For a um, for well, it is actually quite tight. Um, it's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of fat in the script. Mm, it's, there's there's a there's a big part in the middle act where they could have easily trimmed a little out of it. And I know they're setting up. So sorry, we're jumping ahead. So a team gets put together there's an action sequence where they all sort of learn what each other can do and what their what their powers effectively are and and sean connery's misogyny is is put on the back burner as mina proves that she doesn't need him to protect them <clears throat> and um um and then they, they they flee off to venice where where they're where the next part of the the, the story takes place and um they're off in venice because they work out that the bad guys have stolen the plans to da vinci's plans to venice or some such and they plan on doing something there so off they go in the nautilus uh oh, impossible I, ship I, you keep going craig i'm just going to go and let my let my cat in through the door because otherwise he's just <laughs> he's going to be he's going to be in the background for the rest of this podcast hold up a sec that cat no, man you, you keep going <laughs> so yeah they're off to venice um to 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 for the next part of the MacGuffin of the script and while they're in venice um they um they learn each other's uh, powers again and, and they're working out the plot and there's a big action set piece where they uh, drive around in um, Nemo's impossible automobile um, <laughs> and they, um, they, they manage to destroy a building with a cruise missile which is uh, absolutely amazing technology for pre, uh, pre-World War I um, pirates so um, just... Like, how is he not ruling? You don't need any of the... It, we'll get to this later, but... Um, so they they do that, and we find out in this little process that one of their own, um, Dorian Gray, who who at this point in the film is probably my favorite character. Yeah. Um, he, um, he turns out to be a turncoat working for the bad guys. We, we, we find out that um, the, the villain, the Phantom, is actually M., um, who was actually Professor Moriarty um, of Sherlock Holmes fame, um, and uh, and they're left at their lowest point, which is the end of the second act, I guess. Um, so, and then leading into the third act, they have to 
build themselves back up and and go and fight fight the big bad again. Oh yeah, because so, he bl- and the, he blows up the Nautilus because that's the other yeah. thing he's done while he's there while he's been stealing their. Uh, oh, that's right. He's, he's he's stealing like the secret to their superpower, and they're, yep. they're going to use them to sell to sell to foreign to countries. world powers, foreign um, countries. Because as as M as Moriarty um, points out, that war is inevitable at this stage, and it's the person who um, has the best toys, yeah. um, who is who can sell them to the highest bidder, yeah. who's actually going to be the winner. So he he steals all of the secrets for yeah. uh, Nemo's impossible technology. Um, he, he figures out the formula to, that makes Jacqueline Hyde um, a raging super monster. Um, and he figures that he's got a skin sample from, from Skinner, the an invisible man. Um, so uh, he, he they presumably can recreate that later. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting that, that it's interesting. It's just, I think it's an interesting... Uh, turnabout point but they, they come back at and then and and you, they go into you the, get all that you get all that in a in a tasty um gramophone recording yeah. uh, <laughs> a little little play on the here's my dastardly plan um mm. and why am i telling you all this it's because you'll because i want you to sit and listen to me while while you all wait for the bombs that are on the nautilus mm. to explode i didn't really need to tell you my dastardly plan i could have I, I, I could have told you anything um, just to make you listen and sit there, but I, and, and in fact, I have actually chosen to tell you my dastardly plan, just in case it turns out to be useful. <laughs> I kind of felt that that whole sequence was kind of weird because, like, they the it's the gramophone recording, but then later it's it's also a video. Clip yeah, they layer a little video so, over the top. Um, yeah, like some really old, grainy black and just white. Just to give you something to look at, because I guess yeah. it does go on for quite a while. It goes on for a good few minutes, and if they were just cutting back and forth between the rest of the league, kind of staring <laughs> intensely, reaction shot that would be a bit, and reaction shot. Be a bit too and... much. So there's this at there. There's the imaginary black and white footage of them, of M and uh, Dorian talking through and the, his little through the and dastardly his, plan, and his little helper guy that went to Kenya is in the background just like hanging out so yeah, yeah it's it's weird I, it's yeah weird. the the vent the venice that venice sequence is um god awful <laughs> i think it's that it's that it's that hangover from from like this is going to sound like a weird connection but it, to me it feels like that a hangover from um the, the, the uh, tim burton's uh, batman 89 batman 89 um where oh, yeah. you had the the batmobile right and I bet you studio executives um, in Hollywood at the time were just like, that was a huge hit and it made a bunch of money. Um, and the sequel was a huge hit and it made a bunch of money. And there was a car in both of them. And they were like, oh, this is what the kids like. We need a, we need a fancy car. And so that, mm. that's a real working prop um that that drives around and so i, I bet you they were just like oh yeah we need like, to have this and stephen stephen norrington in the original blade movie um blade doesn't have a real fancy car he's got a really cool car <laughs> which features as a part of the film but yeah i feel like that was a studio note like you need a cool car you, they could have so, they could have done that without the this preposterous th- th- cruise missile <laughs> <laughs> you could have done it in any number of ways like truly instead of instead of like a an impossible car 
um, and an impossible <clears throat> cruise missile. Like, I mean, we're talking about a world a world setup here where vampires are real. Yeah. And Dorian Gray is immortal. Um, so, I mean, like, why not? Go hot. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying this. I'm saying it's preposterous, but I don't really mind. Like, I don't think it hurts the film that it's ridiculous. I can imagine that that's a big reason why I've got a hard time. But I don't know. Why not? Fuck it. I don't know. For me, I was looking at it going, like, this is this is clearly what Hollywood thought comic books were like, yeah. you need to have this cool car um, and it needs to do this stuff and all. Oh, can it, can it have machine guns behind the lights? Like what else can it do? I mean, we've got James Bond in this movie yeah. anyway. Yeah, that's, How about an ejector that's, seat? that's true. That's true. <laughs> so let, let's go hog wild here. Let's do this. Uh, but anyway, I think you could have done all of that without that, the car and that whole action set piece was just a little bit odd anyway. Uh, Imagine it, imagine it a la um, Sleepy Hollow. Have you seen Sleepy Hollow? Oh, like I saw it when it came out. I don't remember it. Yeah, but there's an amazing action set piece on a carriage that has run away where the horses are spooked by the headless horseman. And um, I'm not a big Tim Burton fan, but of Tim Burton's body of work, that's one of my more uh, favorite Tim Burton films. Yeah. Um, and that whole sequence with that carriage, um, and, and it, like... It's going fast for a carriage, I guess, but the whole sequence is well put together. It's a great action set piece. You know, um, um, the Headless Horseman's mm. desperately trying to kill Ichabod Crane. Um, and it just all fits really nicely together. You could have done that sequence in Venice mm. with a horse and carriage. And um, Tom Sawyer um, as a cowboy. Like, imagine, because yeah. he didn't really have a lot to do other than shoot. Imagine instead, instead of him running off inside the Nautilus and grabbing... The, the car the automobile um instead he went and grabbed a, a carriage and horse and said you know and he, i've got this this is what i was born to do yeah and then he, he rustles up the horse and, he, and the action set pieces with them on the horses i think i think that would have been like a really cool action set piece and probably more i don't know consistent with the world but again like i said we're talking about a world where cruise missiles yeah. are a thing. This is the midpoint, the midpoint action yeah. sequence. So they really wanted it to go over the top. They've had, yeah. they, they, they had all their, they had all their beats in terms of action film. And so I can, I can see why they were trying to go extravagant here and trying to really blow the roof off it with the midpoint one and then, mm. and then lead that into the, into that lowest point. Um, yeah, they do hit that. They hit that with the first couple of the first, act that has those kind of action action beats as well i i find the 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 one where they're at dorian gray's i I think that's that's the one that um that kind of bothers me as well because there's 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 really no point to that it's it's just it's purely the showing off all our superpowers kind of yeah that that fight um it, it justifies their being there, right? Yeah. So I, I, I think I, in, in a way, I have more issue with that one than I do with the oh the big with the Venice one because it's 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 really it's really shoehorned in. The Phantom just turns up, and then he's got a bunch of goons, <laughs> and then they all just waste the goons, and they look really cool. And and Captain Nemo is a ninja. Um, and <laughs> I love I love that character. Addition, I love that actor. And, and, um, I looked him up on IMDb. He's got over two hundred, two hundred acting credits to his name. Shit, really? um, he's got so many acting credits. Um, his name. I'm going to say this wrong, and I apologies to anyone who actually knows how to say his name. I'm going to say it's Nazir Rudin Shah. Um, he's a, obviously he's a. Um, 
I think he's a, a an actor out of India, um, but he is just I, I really liked him. I could I could I could stand to see him in more. Uh, he was really good. I enjoyed I enjoyed that performance and I enjoyed that character. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I had no issues at all with Captain Nemo being a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like at that more po- ninjas in film. At this point, why not? Why, why not? not? <laughs> Get down with your bad self. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so then um, they're at the low point. They go off and they, they um, Skinner Skinner saves the day. He started aboard um, a uh, little mini sub, um, more impossible technology, and um, and they're off to somewhere in Russia, to um, to some giant factory where 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 they're building doomsday machines. Yeah. and that. And yeah, then and, and then you, you have that, that, and this is a this is an X Men trope as well i think where they've kind of they've got to battle better versions of themselves yeah it's um it's uh now i'm probably going to out you a little bit here you haven't watched any of the current crop of marvel films have you uh i've watched the two guardians of the galaxy films okay that's okay oh and no and thor ragnarok we watched that Oh, okay. Okay, so you've seen. Shout out to shout out to my man, Taika. <laughs> Taika. <laughs> um, so there's a good. I'm not sure how many there are in total now. I think there's 20. So there's a 17 that you haven't seen. Um, yeah, I'm not sh- sure how many there are. I think there might be 20 of them. There's 10 years of Marvel films. No, 20 sounds about right. Um, so that's something that happens a lot in the marvel films as well so that's not just an x-men thing that is a a still to this day thing yeah where um yeah where you have like versus like so in ant-man and the wasp or in ant-man he's fighting yellow jacket and it's basically they're both miniature um miniature guys and they're more or less the same and then you have it in um, Captain America, you know, it's same versus same. Yeah. Um, and you get a lot of that. It's a lot of that same or versus same. Same versus, same versus better. Or right? same versus and better. And and they have to the, win by their... Yeah. We they talked have to win by their pluckiness. We talked about this in um, when we... Have we released... Uh, what was the helicopter one? Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder. We released that, didn't we? Yeah. So yeah, that yeah, that yeah. Uh, that was one as well where, where there, was, there was same versus same... Um, yeah, and, and these helicopter pilots, and he's got to he's got to win through his kind of plucky determination. Um, yeah, and there's I mean there's really direct ones here. Um, the so the fight between Mina and Gray, where they're both immortal, is um, similar to the Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike fight, yeah. which is in X Men X Two X Two. Yeah, do we count? I have seen yeah. obviously I've seen that in the first X Men. Uh, are they Marvel? No, they don't count as. They don't, they don't no, count they as don't Marvel. count. No. Okay. No, they're Fox. Well, they're all Marvel now, because um, obviously, just this last year, being um, Marvel bought Fox, so now Marvel own the Fox library of stuff, which means uh, they now have access okay. to the X Men and the Fantastic Four, and presumably yep. this. Um, so um, yeah, interesting and times. Hi- and Hyde, so Hyde has to fight a tougher version of a, like a like Super Hyde. And he's got yeah. double his double his kind of. Um, he's really big. Power. It's, an, it's yeah. An interesting. Yeah, he, he the formula that Hyde takes to, to turn him from uh, Doctor Jekyll into super powered Mister Hyde. 
uh, has been replicated by um, the bad guys and this this other guy Hyde usually takes what you know just a small vial of it yeah. to make him the monster this other guy chugs down on it like a like a frat boy at a kegger yeah um, and yeah he turns into a, a monstrous red behemoth um, and if which th- that effect is is dated but it's still a cool effect um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah even even Quartermain and Moriarty I guess as as kind of aging mm. gentlemen um, have there's, there's a degree of that as well where and they both have this they both have their sidekicks um, mm. <clears throat> I don't know Moriarty's sidekicks name but and Quartermain's got Sawyer yeah Quartermain's got Sawyer um, I don't know what yeah does 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 M's sidekick need a name he just needs to be no, sidekick no he doesn't really does he yeah. <laughs> no it's Sanderson Reed was it the redheaded guy yeah um, I'm looking at the IMDB page so yeah it's Sanderson Reed like everyone in the world needed to know that right now ladies yeah <laughs> Sanderson Reed never forget his name yeah um yeah so there's yeah. a um so that so that's the, the the third act is essentially is essentially that trope of them fighting them fighting tougher versions of themselves and having to find ways to um, to innovate ways to ways to overcome overcome these stronger um, versions of themselves, and that and that yeah. you know that that plays all right. I'm fine with I'm fine with how that that plays out. Yeah, and then ultimately we we get that father son moment between um, uh, Sean Connery and and Shane West, where uh, they go through that time honored tradition of of shooting a fleeing man in the back <laughs> 500 yards <laughs> that that rounds out the picture yeah ladies and gentlemen when a father and son commit murder together. <laughs> so yeah yeah that, so and that's how the film ends <laughs> chop cut and release so yeah there you go and then uh, that well, league of extraordinary well, gentlemen it's not quite how the film ends is it there's a uh, there's a weird no. weird epilogue where they they bury quartermain in um in africa and then there's a there's a shaman um and and it imp- yeah which doctor implies like it's going to be resurrected in a weird kind of way I, I, maybe were they was, was do you think that was them leaving it op- leaving the door open for a sequel if this if this turned out to be really popular i i think i think they definitely had sequel on the mind if it turned out to be really popular yeah but yeah history history had other plans <laughs> um they um it's a nice way <laughs> the sequel it. in the in in the comics the the sequel is actually uh war of the worlds so they have the martians attack um and they um the, the league of extraordinary extraordinary gentlemen fight the martians um which is cool um but the, and they have little hints of it and this is a a, a poster um as uh they're fleeing through London, I think, and it says Vol- volcanoes erupt on Mars. Um, mm. Is a little nod to the fact that the Martians are coming, mm. um, or that that's where it's going. But yeah, obviously, this film did not set the box office alight, um, and uh, this is this is sadly where the the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen film franchise ends. So here we are it's just it's 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 got to be it's bound to be rebooted at some point right i think it's got enough potential in it that it could i don't know how long how long do you give it before people start kind of forget the name and and you can bring it back and people will don't be, know will if be, you're sony it's optimistic. like five years yeah <laughs> yeah if it's a spider-man franchise less than five years <laughs> yeah oh we're just done toby mcguire fuck it 
Andrew Garfield, let's go. Yep. Can we? Oh, we're going to do it again. Yep. Can we? Can we talk about Jekyll and Hyde? Yeah, absolutely. I, so ob- obvious parallel, and it's, it's interesting that Hulk came out in the same year because they've they've the really taken that. You, you you mentioned the kind of ensemble tropes, and you've got to have your you've got to have your your big unit, your tough your tank. Yeah, your tank. And yeah. so um, they've obviously decided that that Jekyll and Hyde could fit that bill, even though it's 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 the drawing kind of a long bow for. Um, what for the for for what Jekyll and Hyde is actually about? Um, yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, isn't it the other way around? So in the story, isn't Doctor Hyde the ugly one, and Mister Jekyll is the attractive person? Hyde, well, it's 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 the same here. Hyde, no, Hyde is um, I he doesn't from memory he doesn't physically change. His his physical it's it's more of a more of a transformation around he be, he becomes like a like a um, like a beast he loses his humanity and become right. and, and he just he just becomes like a beast who is just who is driven by um, driven by his passions and he has it's kind of like going from the the ego to the id and Hyde is right. Hyde is pure id he is pure. Um, purely driven by him by the self and what he wants and he loses all of his sensibility and all of and all of all his soul kind of um where Hyde still he becomes a he so he goes through a physical transformation in in this but he, and and he supposedly loses all control of himself but he spends most of the third act as Hyde doing good things as Hyde and I guess that's a transition that he makes when he he does when he saves the Nautilus after it blows up and he chooses to trans, transform into Hyde to give him the strength to swim down and and open the chamber or fix, whatever it is yeah fix the chamber and, 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 and yeah, pull and the and rescue, rescue the ship yeah um and I, I guess you're meant to think that that's kind of a a, a, a point in his arc where he learns to control hide and do do good things as hide um right um uh, but and re- so become hide but retain his retain his humanity um and so he, he does that later on and for most of the rest of the movie he is hide but he is in control and he's doing and he's working working for the team um I, how does that how does that line up with the hulk so the Hulk, yeah, pretty closely. Um, have you seen the Ang Lee Hulk? No. So, yeah, in that one, um, he's more a force of nature than he is like a an intelligent, reasonable creature. Because even um, with Hyde and Jekyll in this, uh, they are both cognizant. You can have a conversation with them, however however stilted that conversation might be, that mm. is not something you could do with, with the Ang Lee Hulk. Um, and it's only something with uh, Thor Ragnarok where, where that Hulk character has progressed enough that you could have basic conversation with the Hulk. Yeah. Um, spoiler alerts here for anyone who hasn't read too many comics, but in the comics there are versions of the Hulk that retain the Bruce Banner intelligence. Um, and so he's both very, very powerful and very, very smart. Uh, um, okay. So th- that is something that's probably, probably going to happen moving forward in the Marvel 
universe especially with the avengers 4 coming out like that's probably a, a plot point coming up okay um but yeah it, it tracks um it's it's not it's not dissimilar um but yeah i don't think that's consistent with the robert louis stevenson original yeah um hyde and you, jekyll I, I presume i haven't read you, you mentioned you mentioned that um that you can have a conversation with with hyde in this movie and in fact um Jekyll has conversations with this Hyde in a little yeah. bit of a, um, a ripoff of the of the Gollum Smeagol um, dynamic, where he kind of yeah. finds finds places where he can where he can see his, his reflection. reflection. Um, yeah. and he's he's talking to him talking to himself as as his alter ego, and um, trying to trying to resist the urge to 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 let the alter ego out does that does that happen and does that happen in hulk um there are moments where um in hulk where hulk will present itself especially in the ang lee hulk uh, there is a scene where hulk presents in the mirror to uh, eric banner who played bruce uh, banner okay. in in that film yeah um but uh, yeah they certainly it, i think in some of the comics it does but yeah it's never quite that dynamic where it's like you know let me loose let me do this thing right um i'm just another part of your your ego i I actually that was one of the parts of um league that i actually really kind of enjoyed they they played around with that with that idea of that split personality and a lot of the framing of um the what's his uh, hide when he's walking around talking he's like you know he's in he's shot in a half of his face is behind a door he's he's obstructed down in a corner mm. of the frame like the framing of the shooting of all of that was 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 reasonably nuanced mm. around that whole idea that he's being restrained or held back mm. like i thought that was kind of nice <laughs> um, stephen norrington as a director hasn't really had much opportunity to to show his flair for for grandeur the two films that stand out in his four film catalog are this and blade yeah. um and blade as a as, as an action film is is very 90s i guess but um it benefits from having both a a pretty kick-ass um soundtrack um and has wesley snipes as a as a probably at his peak wesley snipeness um and so as an action film it really works um and this um so i he never really got to do anything more subtle but i thought some of that filmmaking decision around um especially the the jekyll and hyde relationship was reasonably nuanced yeah. so that was quite nice. I enjoyed that. It was um, good. As as an aside, you mentioned that you mentioned that um, a lot of Hyde is actually is, is actually Jason Fleming in a suit. That's not CGI. Yeah, yeah. Watch the the behind the scenes and and that 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 um, Mr. Jekyll um, is uh, is a, is a prosthetic. It's a suit. Um, it's a big foam suit, um, and uh, it was put together. It's really impressive, and it still holds up. I mean. The more you look at it, the more it looks like a suit. Um, try not to focus too much on the arms because they they um, they don't look functional, um, especially when he stood around. But yeah, the rest of the time, yeah, it's him in a him in a big rubber suit. Mm. It's really well done. Yeah, apparently it took him. Um, well, in the the doco I watched on on YouTube, he was um, in the makeup chair upwards of seven hours getting into that to that costume yeah so yeah impressive obviously the the big red creature um that he faces later the the super the super jekyll um um he is um not 
the costume. That is a, a CGI creation. Yeah. But it, it, it looks abundantly obvious now which is which. Um, the CGI has not stood up. But that suit still looks yeah. great. Like That's an amazing prosthetic. Now, um, we're, we're getting close to time, but I'm aware we haven't talked about Mina. <laughs> Mina Harker. Yes. So she is, she's established, and, and she has a bit of an exchange with... Um, Quartermain quite early on where he's he expresses some doubts as to having her there and says that typically typically women are more of a nuisance on this sort of expedition or a distraction uh, a, he, a distraction at best distraction he, distraction at best but then yeah i don't think they talk to each other again for like the entire rest of the movie i thought they were setting up a really cool <laughs> dynamic there um and that was going to be really interesting so she's the only female only female character yeah the, so, the only woman in in england it would appear except for the <laughs> except for the young lady who is um recording moriarty um at uh in the little uh this is my evil plan yeah. moment uh at the midway point yeah so i was uh, i guess hoping for a little more from from her uh <laughs> well she she she's a cool character and um in the comics she is more of the Alan Quartermain character of the films where she is the one that is rounding up all of the extraordinary individuals um, for the mission as a right. Well. Um, and, and she does not have the, the, the vampiric powers as it were in the comic, um, especially not, certainly not in the first one, but um, in the film, obviously she's a, a super powered vampire that can turn into a swarm of bats at will. Yeah. Um, and change her clothes, never to change back into her original outfit ever again at Wilm, at Wilm apparently. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, interesting. And they also set her up as like love interest for everybody else in the film. They so. they do. They there's a look between yeah. the, there's a look from her to um, Jekyll when they're when they're yep. tending some of the injured crew. Um, yep. There's uh, there are uh, knowing looks between her and Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and obviously there's a, a, a history established between her and Gray. Um, yeah, well, they used to be used to be lovers apparently. Yeah. Um, and in their final fight scene, um, like versus like, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that performance from um, Dorian Gray. I forget the actor's name, but he was legit amazing and uh, was just absolutely munching on scenery throughout the entire. <laughs> Uh, Stuart Townsend uh, uh, sorry yeah Stuart Townsend um, he was great and um, that whole business was like oh we're gonna we're gonna be at it all day um, <laughs> just so dry yeah so I, good I like, and I'll, he stabs I, I, he tries to stab her through the heart and she, she I don't actually think there was opportunity there for something a little more crass but um, you know he, he was like he could there could have been a line there about like oh you were um, aiming for the heart and and she was just like just like always never quite could quite find the point but she doesn't <laughs> it's 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 something else like um she says something like oh you broke my heart once before but never again and it's like yeah. oh okay you could you could have had a little bit more fun yeah with that, but i i like his i right. like his performance as well he 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 combines that kind of foppish foppish disinterest with everything but takes it up to the next level as if you had as if he had been alive for hundreds of years 
Yeah, which is, he goes I, so I ob- so recently... overboard with that foppish disinterest, but he he yep. really sells yep. it. But it's 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 just right for the character. Yeah, it really nailed it. I, that was probably my most that was the most fun character in this film. I could have stood to see a little more of that, but um, oh well, he turned out to be a villain. What do you get? Yeah, yeah, that was a overall not a terrible film. Um, gosh, I've I've paid more money to see worse films. Yeah um yeah god I, I don't know what where where it really went so wrong in people's minds in 2003 i think compared to like compared to something like this is going to be controversial for some i'm sure justice league that's just come out mm. i would say this was a better film mm. than justice league like that's not saying much justice league was objectively terrible um but yeah, I, this this was a, a better film. I feel like maybe maybe uh, you know it's it's a fine balance, isn't it, in the comic book movies between between the kind of over the top silliness and the coolness, and yeah. and and they've, they've really refined that to 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 its its perfect point with with something like Thor Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy, um, where. You admire these characters; they're cool, but they're also quite silly and funny. Yeah, and they're I, all they're all Han Solo. Yeah, and I think yes, yeah, and I think kind of yeah, uh, yeah. In 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 this movie, they yeah they miss the mark a little bit. They go a little bit overboard with the silliness, and also a little bit overboard with the intensity and the coolness. And maybe people were maybe people had the expectations of that, which were a bit too high at the time. But when you look at back on it now. You forgive it a lot of that because you're you're like, well, I see what they're going for. They're going for that, going for that mix of funny, uh, and also and also that high octane kind of action, um, and and having them be cool as well. And it's that's not an easy mix to get right, but they do a, they make a really good effort of it here, and they get they they do get tons of things right. Mm, mm, there are you, no, you're absolutely right. There are. Um... There are all of the characters are well defined um, and well understood. There's great motivations for almost all of them. Um, the only one I, is, I think you brought it up earlier. The Alan Quatermain character doesn't have um, his motivation is, is questionable. Like, yeah. The only reason he's there at all is because they blew up his house. And like, okay, cool. Is that the only place in Africa he can hang out and drink? Yeah. I don't think so. Um, but and the tom sawyer character like those two characters like i know why they're there and i'm i'm 100 percent sure that the re- the main reason tom sawyer is there is that the studio got to look at it and we're just like oh so we've got a bunch of we've got a, a weird bearded indian guy we've got an invisible guy we've got dorian gray who who may or may not be gay um we've got or at least by we've got we've got no love interest for Mina Harker. We need to have an attractive young man in here mm. and he'd better be American because all we've got is a whole bunch of, um, European actors, a bunch so, of, yeah, whole and, bunch of Euro trash, <laughs> a whole bunch of Euro trash and some Aussies. So we better get an American in here and get one in here stat. Um, so, and then that's how, um, Shane West wound up on the, on the payroll. Um, but, um, I, I get it like that. That feels a little shoehorned in there yeah. and, I, and, and, but Sean Connery is like, I just love Sean Connery. I, I, I would, this movie, this movie is elevated for me because of Sean Connery that 
just the I, you weren't a fan of it but the opening fight scene where he, he he bashes some guy with a bottle of whiskey and he throws the broken neck away and says oh that's a total waste um uh, <laughs> but he does it in sean connery coolness it's, it's amazing like that's great and all of those fight scenes are well put together and certainly um uh and it didn't it this is i'm not sure if this is pre-born film but all the fights are like the it's got kinetic um kinetic cuts and it's the editing style is very yeah. is very um action oriented it's fast cuts um everything's jumping around but one of the things that i was really amazed by was um how how the geography and um the physics of the edit work so there's a scene where this is when in venice where the car comes out and it does a, a skid around mm. and the, i think i counted i watched it a couple times i think there's five cuts and of that car coming out and spinning around and it all made sense at no point was the editing um did did i lose track of where people were in the edit mm. so someone has put a lot of thought into just the editing so the the editing is great um the the set design the production design uh, that all the sets look great they look like a real place they look inhabited and filled some of the interiors in the submarine look implausibly big, but that is a, an impossibly big submarine in the first place, the Nautilus. <laughs> to be, to um, be, to be them... traveling up the canals of Venice. <laughs> what, what happens when it yeah. needs to turn a corner? <laughs> <laughs> how, how deep are those canals? <laughs> how deep are those canals? That is an, <laughs> that <thing> is 200 <laughs> meters long. Large. <laughs> that thing is, is longer than two football fields. <laughs> so yeah, they must have found like the, 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 the longest, and deepest canals in all of Venice, uh, or it was really high tide. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a bunch of things that are just like weird about this film. But yeah, I, I you can't fault I, the the action. Like all the action pieces, um, except at the very very end with the the CGI monster battle, um, which nowadays would just be a big CGI monster battle, um, like a la Black Panther, yeah. um, where it's just like two CGI creatures going at each other for a little while. Like, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, all of the other action set pieces I thought were well shot, well put together, well realized. Um, uh, I, yeah, I keep coming back to that Dorian Gray character, and, and he's just been he's just been shot a dozen to twenty times, and um, the guy has just been stabbed through with his sword cane. And he's falling down. He pulls Dorian Gray's shirt off him, and the bullet holes are, are dust is pouring out of them. And he's just healing up. And what are you? Oh, I'm complicated. I love it. It's great. Um, everything about this is great. And then, literally, the next cut, he's got his shirt and his jacket back on. So he must just have a he must just have a wardrobe full of shirts and jackets. And it's just these sort of occasions. Where he's like, oh damn it, I've gone through another one. I'll go pull another out of the closet. So so yeah. Would, uh, would you say though that would you say this is verging on greatness? I don't know. That third act is pretty messy, and there are lots of little things about it that really stick out to me. That I just wish I could. The, uh, it's going to sound dumb, but. The car really bothers me. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just of all the impossible technology in this film already. I mean, they've got tanks and automatic weapons in 1899. Um, well, t- the tank isn't so impossible. I mean, yeah. less than 14 years later, you'd have one in, in our world, I suppose. But all those automatic weapons and stuff, it's, it does bother me a bit. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to be controversial 
I'm going to say, yeah, this is this is verging on greatness. It I, is no way deserved of the bad press that it has gotten. I feel like I feel like those those two big things that Venice sequence. Cut, cut that out. Yeah. Do that a do that a different way. Find it. Find something that is less ridiculous there, because that's that's where that's where they really lose it. A lot of the rest of it, I'm prepared to roll with, but the Venice sequence just, with just the car a, and the cruise missile. Yeah. Find a diff, find something different there, and then and and with Quartermain, uh, uh, re, you know, redo redo that Kenya scene so that so that it's a bit just a bit more obvious that he is in this for redemption. He and he is he is coming to this out of hope and and not not despair and because even, because he has because it, he has no that, choice yeah even if that that kenya scene had gone slightly different like he doesn't believe the guy who's turned up so just 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 sit back and imagine for a second that that guy turns up he goes oh the empire is in trouble and, and quarterman goes oh the empire is always in trouble no 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 this time it really is in trouble um and he's like oh no the last time it was really in trouble and then um Finally, he's like, just come and have a look. And, and then he goes or and then something happens. And you're like, holy shit, the Empire is in trouble. I may have my reservations about the Empire and how it has used me. But when it boils down to it, I'm I'm loyal to my country. I'm loyal to its ideals. And I will put my differences aside and I will hmm. come out there. Even if it was that Tom Sawyer character who would come out yeah. to get him. And yeah, agree. And then, he, needs, and then, he needs to be there early on um yeah he needs to yeah quarterman needs to needs to see sawyer and he needs to that needs to be his motivation or at least know that he's yeah. going to be there yeah because once they're introduced it's clear that the, the you know sean connery sees him as a as a child as a son figure and he's like that's you know i brought two of these guns and like oh suddenly he's interested yeah um yeah and then maybe i feel like tom sawyer needed an actual moment like if he's clearly set up as your i don't know your, your leading man in the wings i guess like that's where that character is meant to be he's meant to take over from quartermain because yeah. spoiler alert quartermain dies at the end of this or does he um but you're you're meant to feel like he's going to take over like if you reshoot that venice thing and like like we said earlier what if it was a stagecoach and mm -hmm. there were horses and tom sawyer was like this is me baby i'm a cowboy yep. at heart I'm, I, I've got this and um, they're all like no no and then he you know he uh, he takes off and there's bombs in the back um, and he, he's racing down along the canals and then you could have you could have the the guys on the roof um, shooting at him like just replace the car um, yeah and then suddenly replace the car um, replace the missile get rid of the missile Tom Sawyer does it himself because he's plucky um, he's young hungry and plucky and uh, just like his country and he saves the day and he does it like action hero style there i think i think suddenly you're looking at a different film yep. and suddenly it's not just a silly it, do, it doesn't deep dive into that silliness quite so regularly yeah. uh, and then and then you tighten up that third act a little bit get rid of that same versus same and then maybe maybe you've got avengers but in victorian england all right maybe <laughs> so okay maybe cool we've gone on for long enough uh <laughs> so verdict virgin i mean you gotta say it's virgin on greatness right yeah i, I gotta call it's it ver I, I, it's virgin for me, virgin on greatness yeah it's virgin yeah yeah all right i've called it okay 
uh time for us to wrap this up um really hope that when we when when we make these tracks up uh that this recording has worked and that we're going to be able to release this um here's hoping here's hoping all right fingers crossed sayonara sayonara mike